Rachel Daly is a striker. The end. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. She's got great passing range. She scores goals. She's great in the air. Brilliant in the air. Yeah. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this, was a, this is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this? But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. This is refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. There's fester. <laughs> See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, Do you know what? Oh, yeah. I'd actually debate that with you. <laughs> it is an interesting. Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but. Uh, <laughs> Let's I, make that clear. <laughs> I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. Well, don't ask me how, but there's another edition of A Slight Tangent coming at you. You're very welcome. We have Arthur O'Dee to my left. Michael McCarthy is here as well. Willow Callahan to my right. This is the OTB PM team, the FM team, if you like. Raw and... Other rejected names. <laughs> coming at you. <laughs> Opining on various stories of the week. That is the general plan here. This started during the summer when we had acres of time to discuss various things. There was no football show. Now there is a football show and a World Cup on. And somehow we're still here. Gentlemen, you're all very welcome. We reconvene once again. By popular demand, I would say, Joe, I think there'd be a close to riot if we decided not to press on with a slight tangent at this point. I'll get to the emails and genuinely thank you for the emails. We were... They're wonderful. Unindated, I would say. Amazing response by email. A slight tangent at offtheball.com is where you can get us. And this is the first time on a slight tangent where we're just going off the emails. Now, that is code for saying we had a meeting earlier on and none of us could come up with anything. (laughs) And thankfully, when I checked the email account, there was loads there. So uh, that's where we are. Before you start, Joe, just one thing on last week. There was a comment on YouTube that said Arthur has a fancy teabag. And I can't help but look to my left and say once again that Arthur has a fancy teabag. I got one off him just before the show. (laughs) It's a gimmick. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's all part of his persona. (laughs) Yeah, no, we go long enough and might get them sent in to us. Green tea. Yeah, yeah. Are you I won't a, name the brand. Just no, don't. Are you a coffee drinker? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Brayburn coffee, of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> is, is this a no coffee after eight kind of idea, or? No, no, no. I've just put in a five o'clock rule. It's very tempting at five to seven when you need a bit of oomph to have a coffee, but you pay for it. Uh, there was a text in, Mick and I were chatting on the news round just uh, briefly to round off the last hour. I'm considering getting a console of some kind, Xbox or PlayStation. PlayStation's quite expensive. They're neither cheap, but yeah, go on. You can get an Xbox Series S thingy for two something, under 300. Although you have to pay a monthly subscription. I didn't, I didn't come from that era. You're going to have to get it on Sony as well. <laughs> Either way. Well, anyway. That's if you want to play online. If you don't play your games yourself. You can't buy a game for the S version. There's no place to put the disc. I was oh, asking the guy in the shop and he looked at me like... It was a digital only one. Yeah, he was looking at me like I was 90. <laughs> <laughs> buy the box and put the game in. Where do, Speak up! Where does the cartridge go? <laughs> um, somebody texted, I've two kids under 10. Have you got 10. any joysticks? Yeah, I wasn't far, you know. I've two kids under 10, wife works nights, I play old-fashioned FIFA, not online, he says in brackets here, on PlayStation, taking a lower league team up while I listen to OTB or podcasts. I don't watch TV, so it suits me. It's a mindless task that I find relaxing. Go for it, Joe, says the texter. That is the vibe that mm. attracts me, I have to say, that get off your phone, 
Don't be just flicking on TV channels. Abs- get absorbed in something. That is the appeal of it. Ultimately, he's not getting trolled by nine-year-old children on Fortnite or on FIFA who are going to annoy him. He can just play the computer, thing. play at his own pace. Would you not go and get a football manager? No, that's too nerdy. Ner- what? Well, uh, too nerdy. Yeah. Once, you've, once you've committed to the bit here and you're going for computer games, you can't go, mm, football manager's too nerdy. <laughs> I see myself playing a lot of Tiger Woods golf on it. I got that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny this happened. Build I got window gifted window. a PlayStation, it was like second-hand PlayStation, for my birthday in March. Yeah. Now, I don't, I, same as you, like I wouldn't have had one since I was a child. And don't play it an awful lot, but did get, is it Tiger Woods or Rory McIlroy, whichever one with the name was on it. Woods, yeah. It's amazing. Mate, it's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. That's a great game, yeah. It's amazing. And there's a new version of it out. And it's just so enjoyable. Games. I okay. like the way you go through all the real stuff, going through whatever the equivalent of Q, the Corn Ferry, whatever that is. <laughs> I've never heard of it before. Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah. yeah. But I think if you, I think if there is a, I do think there's a relaxation element to it. That's what I used to do. So I would play online, but it's not, you're not talking to anyone or engaging with anyone. You're just playing in your division against, mm. like, you know, whatever you qualify for, you're playing against people. And then sometimes you might do a career mode or whatever. But it was exactly what the texts were saying. I used to put on podcasts, which is funny enough, is like that is my favorite form of entertainment, right? But I don't, I find, I don't listen to it in the house unless I'm like, you know, doing the dishes or cleaning or something like that where I'm active. I can't sit down on a couch and listen to a podcast. I feel like I have to be watching them. So if I'm playing... Marcus Rashford. Oh, serious goal. Good goal, yeah. Free kick. Free kick. Marcus Rashford. Missed a chance first half. We are live. Wales just need five now. Shocked to hear. Wales nil, England one. That's been coming. 50 minutes in the clock. England electric this evening, Michael McCarthy. Yeah, apparently according to a texter, not according to Liam Brady and Damien Duff on RTE, but... They do tend to always think England are crap on RT, don't they? Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Ten past eight? Eight minutes in. <laughs> Not bad. What? The RTE corner with Michael. <laughs> ah, what? Come on. <laughs> I just said that like they have a fine tradition and most of the time it's been some of the best television in history where they always, at every tournament, think England are brutal. Mm. Are you saying they've been unfairly critical this time around? I don't know. They've been watching the match a lot more intently than I have. I've been at work. But from what I've seen, they've been playing well. I don't know if anybody else agrees or disagrees. Ah. Friday, Friday night was pretty awful. BBC oh, no, panel I mean were tonight. BBC yeah. panel were effusive at halftime, saying England were killing them. We're just seeing the Rashford goal. Really good free kick into Lovely. the top right corner. Very good, isn't it though, um, Michael? Yes, Joseph. Just at our age, increasingly, a massive waste of time and a bit grim to be sitting there playing computer games. But again, if it's your relaxation time and you are doing what I was saying, which is maybe like listening to a podcast instead but of watching a TV show, instead uh, of watching The Crown on Netflix. No, I hear you. And I watch The Crown. I watch yeah. a lot of television. Yeah. There's basically nothing on Netflix, Disney, Amazon Prime I haven't seen. Okay. <laughs> but shouldn't we aspire to better habits and better things to do, like reading? I think that can be a bit of a kind of a... Uh, I don't think you mean it as a, in a snobby way, but I feel, I feel that there's a there's an element of like. Sorry to interrupt you again. Phil Foden's just scored now. What? <laughs> yeah. Where are you now, Duffer? I told you Brady. England were doing well. <laughs> Take that RTE. Mick McCarthy two Wales nil. <laughs> what kind of reading are we talking about here, Joe? Do you know what? Actually, I would Golf say books. Any reading, even just the, the act of reading, is so good for your brain. Even a, a, a very maligned John Grisham airport thriller is, is better for your brain but what about like see what yeah, yeah for your brain okay yeah maybe maybe but what about like <laughs> Sudoku or something yeah Sudoku you know what I mean? but, there, but isn't there isn't it just a way of like just like decluttering your brain that like it's, it's almost an old fashioned way to think that of uh, like as something like playing FIFA as uh, is this sort of um, 
is is cluttering rather than is relaxation. Now maybe there is a I don't know I have I don't know the science behind it and I'm sure there's blue screen you know yeah. brain activity elements to it that I don't quite understand. Yeah. But just from a basic point of view, I would say there is a sort of a everybody needs something to switch off with. No, I, t- I listen. Uh, that's a very appealing argument. Yeah. And I can say, oh, I, I should read more. That's been a New Year's resolution for about 10 years. Plus. Mm. It's very yeah. hard to do it. I'm finding it harder to read as I get older, I have to say. I fall asleep a lot quicker. If, if it wasn't for this job, I wouldn't be reading books. Yeah. That's the truth. Well, that, that's a grim statement. I know. I know. But it and is, holidays. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm starting a lot of books and realising I haven't picked it up in a week and now I don't know where I am and what's the point in going back. There's a great book on Limerick Hurling. <laughs> oh, that, that's on my list. I just I have a... Do you know what? I, I, I was looking for it, but... Uh, You're getting it for Christmas. It's back in the shops. Apparently it's back in the shops. I was told by a good source. A free copy. Well, the interview's done. The interview's done. done. That's done, the only way I was getting a free copy, to interview you. Oh, like, who would... Why would I... I gave a free copy to my uh, father, and that was about it. And to Jerry Gilroy. <laughs> I got it from he his got publisher it. last week, and I do feel as if I've grifted him slightly by not buying a copy. Right, okay. You have one. Hmm. I just feel if I read it, then I could talk about it on air. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> that's a nice theory. <laughs> Will we push on? You have to get one for the, the collection of books behind us. Yeah. We, let, we need to replace the Brian Robson a one. A communal office one akin to a library where people can <laughs> take it out. Yeah, there with Stevie Niggle. And, uh, Will I push on? All the There's some good ones too. Yeah, let's push on. Nothing so. more to be said about that texture on uh, playing computer games. Just S- get the console, Joe. Just get it. Yeah. Treat. Get it, and you if you don't oh. use it, you don't use it. But like, load it. You can you can afford a mistake. You're like Man City can afford uh, <laughs> a hundred million quid on City being a waste. <laughs> it's my Rubinio moment. <laughs> your your seven hundred euro console can just sit in the corner. No way am I spending seven. I can't. I no can't way. afford it going wrong. You you know that's it. <laughs> my PlayStation was ultimately a waste of money, unfortunately, and that's oh, a bad man. thing. You know? For you, it was the Darwin Darwin Nunes. Of <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Hi guys, says uh, Sean. Again, thank you for the emails. Genuinely, this is, uh, it's now sustaining the um, Slight Tangent product for us. Uh, really enjoy the segment. Just following on from the commentators debate. Oh, this will be a quick response. Uh, is it a case that more and more commentators are not in the stadiums? I know during COVID this all changed massively, but since crowds have come back, I still think a lot are based in studio. If it is the case, do commentators get to see several different monitors or is it basically the feed that we see on TV? I know years ago it was very obvious when they were in a studio as opposed to there in person. I find it harder and harder to tell these days. Regards, Sean. They just get the feed that you're getting, Sean. Yeah. And you'll see that because so often now they're hesitant when a goal is scored because they're waiting for the offside flag to go up. So you can tell. The best way to tell if somebody's at a game or not. If you really want to tune in, it's at a goal and particularly an offside goal because they'll react when they see uh, the flag on the TV screen as opposed to looking down the line and seeing the flag before you do. That's how you know. I think it was Spain and Germany at the weekend where one of the comedy teams clearly weren't in the stadium and the TV director cut to the wrong shot. Yeah. And you could hear the dead silence where clearly they had no idea what was happening. You could hear the crowd cheering, but no idea what was happening. And then they kind of kicked back in afterwards. That's the giveaway. Darren Maloney was able to talk about the protester the other evening. Yeah. Who Mm. was off camera. Kenny Cunningham. (laughs) Next time he's in. (laughs) Where's this going? Next time he's in, I got to ask him. Kenny Cunningham was talking about how cool it was in the stadium for England Iran. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just an immersive experience. And he was He's back. He was back in the Montrose studios in time for the next game. Now I, there the next morning. Something's yeah. gone awry. <laughs> Taxpayer well, money has been spent on getting him flights. in and out of Doha in the space of twenty-four hours. Or he was literally lying about how cold it was in the stadium. You can't do that as a journalist. I hope he was picked up on that. Is Kenny a journalist? He's an analyst. 
He can't be sitting there going, never thought I'd see the day cold in the stadium with the aircon. What about that, Des? Des, no reply back. <laughs> <laughs> and here come Poland. <laughs> You're on your own here, Kenny. Uh, I was talking to a commentator about this uh, kind of like post-COVID and how there is a kind of a there is a little bit of a change there. I think they're, they kind of realise the setup is a lot better. So maybe they are only getting the feed, but it used to be on a small little monitor. I think they felt a little bit more removed for it. Whereas now I think people are watching it in rooms with huge TVs, feeling a little bit more able to do it, a little bit more used to it. I would say as well. And there is a sense that there's a pick and choose element to going to games now that might not have been there before COVID. Yeah. If you want to kind of take the, the direct question of the of the texter. I think it's okay. I don't think you miss out on all that much, I have to say. I think commentators are very used to it. They get into the atmosphere, they have it. What they do have is a feed directly from the ground into their ears. So they're hearing everything that they would be hearing at the ground. And Weirdly and counterintuitively, because we do both here on the Sunday, I would never uh, say we, we don't. And that's more of a post-COVID thing in particular. And the bigger games like Nathan and Brian were there for Manchester Derby and a couple of other games. Title of Sutter last year. Yeah. yeah. The ironic thing is on radio. So if Nathan and Brian are at a game, they stick a microphone and, and hang it over the, the gantry and, and that picks up as much sound as they can. But if they do it off tube and they get the quote unquote the feed, that has like a TV quality level of, of a number of microphones where you can hear the ball being kicked and you can hear players shouting. Because obviously from the gantry, you're not going to pick up players shouting or the ball being kicked on the far touchline. So ironically, the immersive sound more. aspect is better if you're listening just on radio to yeah, the feed. Yeah. But it's just, it is interesting that they've just had a, a recalibration that doesn't seem to be based on money or anything like that. But it, in some ways, it's even like, you know, do you want, like, you want to go for the big games and still be there, but do you want to be shipped around the world constantly going to things where you could have a kind of a slightly easier, you know, just like have a base and then go somewhere maybe for the slightly bigger yeah, games, I you know what I mean? And, just, and, and I do feel like that what happened during COVID was people got used to a certain way and people are probably more accepting of it now, you know? And we don't have to pretend no. to anyone that you're doing something you're not. I do you know? think as well, and not to open this kind of worms here, because I want to get to some of the emails, the carbon footprint of sport needs to be talked about. Yeah. It's off the charts. There's so much wastage and this World Cup is no exception. Apparently, according to the Sunday Business Post, Matt Cooper had a great piece, this World Cup, outside of war, is leaving the biggest carbon footprint of any event in human history. Is that because the amount of people jetting in and out of Doha? It's everything. It's yeah. air-conditioned air World Cup yeah. stadiums. Stadium. Miguel Delaney had a photo yes. of an air-conditioned running track. Everything, the whole enterprise. They, you see, it's so cynical as well because there is an official FIFA position that it's a carbon-neutral World Cup, but the, the, the maths they're using is crazy. It's like, first of all, it's from the start of the World Cup as opposed to, so all the stadiums being built, every single person coming into Qatar for the World Cup isn't counted. The tickets are one way. <laughs> so the flights coming in during the World Cup don't account for the, pe the fact that everybody has to leave. Yeah. God only knows what other sort of creative accounting has been done, but the idea that it's carbon neutral is so offensive when you have actual evidence like that piece that you're talking about that suggests it's the worst ever. Yeah. It's also impossible to take FIFA's numbers seriously when FIFA are giving capacities which are lower than the attendances which they're publishing for the games. Like straight away, you just yeah, go, yeah. right, this is nonsense. The capacities are lower than the attendance? Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Who did the maths on that? Oh, there's regularly it's setting just, out yeah. like uh, like 81,000 is, uh, is the official attendance of the game, but the capacity would be 76 or something. <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> happening what, every day. What it's like just being diabolical.
Just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Twirling a massage. It's just that kind of way. It's just like, what else can we do? I love, like, I don't love it. You know, that weird macabre kind of way, that thing, the maths. What way can we mix this up to make it look like we're carving neutral? And just like, ah, uh, whatever, just flip it. Those dopes won't understand. You know, it's just. The one I really loved was the sure. press release. It's a great word. What a great word. The most successful World Cup of all time. So they compared the viewing figures in Ecuador of the game between Ecuador and Qatar with the people in Ecuador watching Saudi Arabia against Russia in 2018, which is just the most beautiful manipulation of stats of all time. Yeah, Ecuador weren't so, even in the World Cup. Yeah. very Trumpy in this, isn't it? Really, since his inauguration, this kind of stuff has become commonplace. Amazing yeah. how that's precipitated this downgrading of standards. That's just lie. Yeah, just yeah. lie. Diabolical. He's, just a, lie. he's a symptom rather than a cause, though. It was heading that way anyway, I think. You know, he was just this, like, speaking of the word <laughs> diabolical, he was just this incredibly... You know, uh, diabolical. We're going to overuse shameless. it now. We're gonna yeah. No, but he was like, just—it's a good word. But he's, he's such a shameless figure, yeah. and like, there's never been anyone like him on that. But he wasn't—he didn't bring it all on. No, I'm say. sure. I suspect though, he's opened the eyes of Manny as to how this is possible and actually allowable and successful. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Just say things enough times, and it's your word against mine, and everyone will both sides it in the media. Yeah. Alan says, "Quick one, this. Hello, are five subs too many?" In an 11-sided game, that's half the outfield players. In brackets, I did the maths, end brackets. Often we see 10 changes being made in the second half. The games become disjointed. Is it too many? I would say yes. It feels that way. I mean, the idea was to bring this, when they increased the amount of subs during COVID, the idea was to try and, you know, fatigue and the fact that they were racing the season back. And yeah. now games can feel re-disjointed when four to five players come on at the oh, one time. It's like friendly. Loads of other negatives. It's Fengorn Erickson friendly. Yeah. Uh, so, Damien was in touch and the subject headline was, uh, subject headline was, what are we more obsessed with? And he writes, to the Tangenteers, which is it's a good beautiful. name. Beautiful. Mm. Oh my God, are we the Tangenteers? The four Tangenteers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did we, could we be any cooler? <laughs> As a nation. So Joe Tanyan and the three Tangenteers. <laughs> I feel... <laughs> <laughs> we have two great sporting obsessions, Damien Fields. Number one, Roy Keane. Number two, the next Ireland rugby number 10. And he says, I'm not just talking about Sexton. Name any other Irish 10 in the past decade. I guess this goes back to Ward Campbell even. Ward Campbell. Uh, but he wonders, which is the bigger national neuroses? As an aside, this has become one of my favourite podcasts when I'm out walking the dog. All round, excellent, irreverent chat, says uh, Damien. So, uh, well, I think this is a fair point to say that Roy Keane and the next Ireland Rugby number 10, both uh, two great sporting obsessions. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything more so. Split the dubs in two? No, not even close. Too short term. Nah, it's, it's not short term. No, Split like, the dubs in two has been going since the 70s. But, I, but yeah, I, no, it's I well behind. Email, it's well and I thought, behind. well, if we're a barometer, if this show is a barometer. I mean, it comes up a lot. <laughs> it's all I talk about. <laughs> Those two things. I swear to God. No, Keane is, Keane is never going away. It's, it's funny, the amount of times I will get sick of Roy Keane and say, we can't do something every time he opens his mouth. And then the next time he opens his mouth, I'm the first one on saying, lads, Keane said this. You know, and I just can't help it. I'm just endlessly fascinated by him. He is number one. I there's think. never been anyone like him. There never yeah. will be. I think it's Keane one. I think Keane is more of an obsession than the next Irish rugby ten. Although I probably talk, I've spent more minutes talking about the next Irish I rugby. I seriously ten. wonder when was the last time a week would have passed where one or both wasn't mentioned. I know. Mm. Like, I don't think I, we've had one in ever. The last. Like, 
when did off the ball start? Not that long before after Saipan. Yeah. So I'd say it was talked about a bit then. And Keen. what was happening in two thousand two in a rugby pitch? We had uh, Ron Nogara was and Humphreys were still kind of up against yeah. each other around that time until about oh five oh six. Yeah. And then Sexton came in now nine. Mm. So there was probably and and in between that we had two thousand seven World Cup where Ron Nogara was the only out half. Can I make and there was a serious, there was as much discussion then when there was none as when there was a controversy. Can I make a, an observation, see if you agree with this? I think the number 10 obsession is because we're a weird nation when it comes to rugby and that participation so low. So of the million people that will watch an Ireland-England-France game, 5% play rugby. So I think actually who plays number 10 and it was helped nicely by the Raj Humphreys, Raj Sexton, and now who replaces Sexton. I think that becomes the big talking point. Yes, because it's important, but also because I don't think a lot of us understand what we're watching. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can tell what's going on at the breakdown in a profound way and know why one blindside flanker is better than the other. Unseen work is one of the great staples of rugby. Mm. Like I can't have an opinion on unseen work. It was unseen. By definition. Indeed. Do you mean for the non-rugby hardcore here? Yeah. yeah. I mean, outside of that 5%. But oh, so no, I don't think you will have just have to play it. I think you can be a proper student of the game. Okay, students of the played, game. But, yeah, the game. I, yeah. but I think that, that grand bandwagon that rolls up for Six Nations and World Cup, I think one of the talking points is number 10 because it's something people have an opinion on. It's a bit like NFL as well where the quarterback becomes the obsession of a team. Yeah. The out half often becomes the obsession of a team. And even when you look back at some teams that won more Cups, it was Dan Carter's New Zealand, it was Johnny Wilkinson's England. They're often defined by who plays at number 10 despite the other players that they have. And this is probably speaks to how good Sexton has been as well, that we've almost taken for granted the last decade or so that Sexton has been the leader of this team and the best player of this team and therefore we all get concerned about him taking over it's even the Sexton obsession is even slightly different to Ward versus Campbell and yeah. Rodge versus Humphreys yeah. George Hook said many times Joe ever since William Webb Ellis picked up the ball and ran the number 10 has been the most important <laughs> well that's true position that's true. in rugby <laughs> I, I gave up on the, the impression very yeah, actually, the If you're going to start it, uh, finish it. Uh, sorry, I, couldn't, I, I wasn't even committed at the start. Not really. I, I, I could actually do a pretty good, George. But <laughs> <I'm not>. <laughs> <laughs> said, no, what, what are we to say, uh, and again, thank you for the email, Damien. What does our Roy Keane, your OC, say about us? We can't get past Saipan. Another documentary last Monday. Yeah, well, that, that is... That, that is, is scraping. Without a doubt, true though. There is a, like, you just. You, I think even if Saipan hadn't happened, we'd have the same obsession. I think it's bigger than that. He's Ireland's best ever footballer, so therefore there was always going to be an obsession around Keane anyway. But I think Saipan, because of the way it divided the nation, because you're still getting questions on the promos for that documentary, which are like, could Ireland have got to the World Cup final? Which I'm not sure entirely genuine, but this idea that if Roy Keane was there, Ireland might have beaten Germany and might have got to the final well, against Kevin Brazil. Kevin Van reckons it's genuine. Did you see his article on it? I did, I read it last week. Mm. In the Times? I, was like, I feel, I, I thought for a long time our obsession with Keane was a little bit small time. Yeah. Like that we produced so few figures of this level that it, it, we were just yeah, clinging. But the way that the UK has become slightly obsessed with them, certainly UK yeah, football, that's a fair point. I feel a little bit better about it now. Because I was going to say... actually is that compelling. I was going to maybe couch it in a slightly different way. I don't think it's, uh, it's small time. I think that it, it comes from the same place, though, where I do feel in Ireland that we have this... and it, it, It's dwindling a little bit, but this obsession with how the world sees us and with someone like Keane, who is so divisive and he could be he's someone that I think we could see his character 
and the negative traits of it and kind of like talk about that. But then because he's so international, when people attack him, there's an inbuilt part of us that kind of like gets defensive mm. of him. And he is, he's this, we want them in the teams of the Premier League era and we want them as like the best captains of all time. And we want, I, I don't know, I feel that there's, the, I think it comes from a place of Ireland, Irish people being obsessed with how the world sees us. Mm. Rashford's just scored a third, by the way. Cut in from the right-hand side onto his left. Decent shot. Keeper should have saved it and so it ends up in the net. I told you that Hammer Wales, didn't I? You were a couple of weeks ago. He called it early. There was a piece in the Sunday Times, I think it was Paul Rowan, just talking about how Keane is just so box office. Even UK TV is now acknowledged Keane's pretty much the most electric presence there. Mm. And he was saying that the soundings are from the Keane camp and the ITV camp that Keane is actually open to doing I'm a Celebrity, no. Get Me Out of Here. No. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what it was in the piece the Sunday Times. Oh, I'd hate that. Well, the piece also posited the notion that it could actually elevate Keane to national treasure status over there. Like that, he would do, that he would do so well over there. That he would be so charming, so funny, self-effacing. Much that actually nicer do. than you think. We see, I think when he's not talking about the things which trigger him, i.e. exit from Manchester United, Saipan, all this stuff that just gets him into that space where he can't help himself. When he's just having a cup of tea with Micah Richards, he's just like his, amazingly likeable. His so Instagram like, was pretty wholesome. Very, I know it was his yeah. daughter who brought the Instagram out and he's eventually closed it, but he got this idea of this wholesome granddad who likes to go for a cycle, um, play with his grandkids, pretty and just enjoys life. Bit pretty, shy. Pretty calm. I yeah. think he'd be endearing in that show. He'd have a good chance of winning it. Yeah. Well, I remember talking to Paul Lambert about it and we joked about the idea of him going into I'm a Celebrity. Paul Lambert still keeps in close contact with Keane. They're right. still pretty good mates from their time at Villa. Right. And Lambert reckons he'd be perfect for that. He thinks that Keane has brilliant comedic timing. Oh, man. I would not disagree with that because that was the roadshow that you hosted with Roy Keane and he had the audience laughing all night. He doesn't need it, though, does he? Money? Like he's, I know. Well, the money. And I'm not sure. I, I have no idea. He donated it, wasn't he? I have no idea even what the money would be for that. But yeah. Ego? Ego, as much as he probably hate, doesn't Maybe. love that aspect. Though, ironically, you know when he talked to Gary Neville in the overlap interview with, Tri- with I was going to say with Triggs, God. The old dog's dog. current dog. 20 years old, his latest dog. And he talked about going to restaurants five, six o'clock because he doesn't want to go to restaurants when they're busy and hates being stopped, hates being bothered. There's football famous and then there's... Oh, yeah. I'm a celebrity famous. I mean, that would open up a whole can of worms for him. So maybe he might turn it down on that. I'd be a bit... He has no... There's no, there's, there's no things to rehabilitate. He doesn't have to... He kind of doesn't have to... I don't think he has to go that route at all. No. I don't think he's... Like, you see, wherever with Matt Hancock, Hancock or someone, and it's like... Or even with Jill Scott won it. But I kind of understand that when you're capitalising on a moment where yeah. that team was so... But you know, she he has no... Profile. I mean, he's... A, he's. I don't think he needs it, really. Mm. Did Hancock finish third? He capitalised on the moment of him, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, costing thousands it's a of lives. Out world. How did he do so well to finish third? Well, he's a politician, I it's suppose. It's been charming. Yeah, people were mean? saying that they were kind of hate watching him and but they, vo- they, 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 they thought he was good in the show, but he did. He had to be voted for. Yeah, it was very strange. Mm. Got to take a break. Loads more of your emails to get to. Back in just one second. Now you're welcome back, a slight tangent uh, with you this evening. We have Michael, Arthur and Will and myself, some uh, texts in. Lads, another Irish sporting obsession for you. Actually, here's two. One, Ireland and the dreaded World Cup quarter final in the rugby. Two, the Mayo Ireland curse. It's another text says, Keane makes the headlines because he's a pantomime figure rather than a serious football analyst. Well, to be fair, what serious football analyst makes 
headlines for being a serious football analyst, you know. Uh, Never played rugby, but it's easy to appreciate the number 10 due to points scored, key passes, and they're always interviewed. I've no idea who's doing well in a scrum. It looks like a litter of puppies with their mum fighting for a position at feeding time. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's exactly what what I was trying to say. We go easier to have an opinion like Rod or Sexton. What did you prefer? Why? Whereas, did you prefer the scrummaging of John Hayes or Tyke Furlong? Yeah. Crucial kicks and clutch moments in games All as well. Stuff. Yeah. The Conor Murray box kick would have been hitting the top 10 there for a while, wouldn't it? Of neuroses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, it was a hate figure. <laughs> the box kick, it not Conor Murray. In itself, yeah, a hate figure. Loads of emails. Again, thank you so much. So we're getting on to some of the slightly longer emails. I'll race through this as quickly as I can. I thought it was an interesting point. Dear team OTBPM, uh, really enjoying a slight tangent. I think you've struck a good balance so far when discussing the World Cup. However, I think we need to be careful that we're not subscribing to a Western media bias. Additionally, uh, media organisations aren't actually highlighting issues in Qatar. They're simply discussing them because they've broken into mainstream consciousness. For example, the BBC coverage has not mentioned the fact that the RAF have a military base in Qatar, as do the US. Goes on to say much will be made of the authoritarian regime in Iran and the protests of the citizens in the lead up to their game with the US. And no doubt the point will be made in some quarters that Iran shouldn't be even at the World Cup. However, it won't be mentioned that in 03, 36 million people protested globally against the US invasion of Iraq. However, the US were welcomed with open arms to the 06 World Cup just three years later. It says, uh, similarly, last week the F1 Grand Prix took place at Yas Marina Circuit in Abu Dhabi. Human Rights Watch has raised significant concerns about workers' rights in Yas Marina, similar to those in Qatar. However, I don't see this mentioned by any of the media organisations highlighting these issues in Qatar while covering the F1. Uh, he goes on to say, I understand sports reporting, sports media can't always be viewed through a political lens. However, I find the hypocrisy and the double standards at the coverage of the World Cup extremely frustrating. And then Fergal, who says keep up the good work, finishes his email by saying, has Qatar, this is the question, been a watershed moment for you guys? Will it change how you cover certain sporting events going forward? Some interesting thoughts. Take the point on the US-Iraq situation. Uh, Take the point on Abu Dhabi. Think if Abu Dhabi were to try and buy Man City now, it would be a very different conversation publicly as opposed to when it happened. It's a huge shift. Yeah. You see, that's my entire response to that, is that the world moves on. People have talked about America. And I do, look, there is a double standard with America and there is also differences. I think that, you know, we don't know if now's the time to go into everything, but I think there is, there is both is true. I think there's a huge Western bias double standard. And then I think there are certain differences in the way, you know, that like it is a whatever way you want to look at like the war decisions and so on, they come from a place of a democracy. democracy and there are, I don't know, there, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of stuff comes from, I suppose, a more defendable, defendable place, right? That's not to say it's all right or anything like that. And, um, but the other thing, I do think that would their place in the World Cup in 2006 be as... Would we be as blasé about it in 2022? I don't think so. Would we have reacted to Abu Dhabi taking over Manchester City in the same way as we did Saudi Arabia taking over Newcastle? I don't think so. I think we've just, we're evolving in our thoughts on these things and in the way we kind of uh, take on social issues, you know? Um, so like Russia four years ago was different than Qatar 2022 because we're four years on 
in our thinking. You know, so that that's kind of how I personally respond to these things and why I think that, right, the Abu Dhabi thing you were saying about the Grand Prix, that's on a different scale altogether than where we are with the World Cup. Like, the World Cup's obviously going to take all of the limelight and it's going to suck in all of the attention. Mm. And that's where we're going to kick on with any issues that are that are there and you have it. And as I, the last thing I'll say is that I always have a very specific issue with the Qatar World Cup that's outside of the sports washing and the, the you know, kind of the local culture arguments that you can have, which is that this World Cup's very creation, it existing on its own without any of the other stuff, has, according to reports, cost six and a half thousand lives. And, you know, that's a debatable figure, but there's certainly an awful lot of lives uh, from that. So that's just my personal response. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, I mean, there's a lot in the email. I guess to hone in on the question, the watershed moment, I think it's definitely exacerbated things, maybe not quite watershed, but not far off it. Like I did think when the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix was generating all the flack and Lewis Hamilton was taking a stand, I did sort of think that was because this Qatari World Cup was in the ether and was being talked about and there was a degree of, well, if we're highlighting that, then we have to highlight this and a kind of contagion happened. Newcastle been taken over by Saudi Arabia, I think, put a lot of focus onto the Saudi Arabia Arabia, last year. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you had effectively bombings taking place just literally over the border in Yemen, very close to where the Grand Prix took place last year. So therefore, we look, we do kind of drift in and out of geopolitics and sport when it comes to talking about these. And you can take the, I think you can 100% take the point about the criticism that maybe we focus in on something from the here and now. And the interesting thing is, will we be talking about Qatar in three years time? But like, or will Qatar just be in the rear view? Yeah, why should we talk about Qatar in three years time, I suppose? We won't. But like, I don't even think we should be really, they're not, unless they're hosting another event. Like we can't just keep going back to every country and maybe we will, maybe it'd be the odd retrospective piece. But see, the retrospective side comes in when it comes to somewhere like Russia, where generally Putin has been enamoured by sporting events that have taken place. And you think about Crimea back in 2014, you think about the 2018 World Cup on the back of 2016 when they were effectively kicked out of the Olympics and even moving into Ukraine on the back of the Winter Olympics where Russia did quite well earlier this year. We maybe look back on that lens afterwards when we think about something like the current uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Like things don't begin and end with the sporting event that takes place. Yeah. And I think we should really be looking back in a few years' time about what migrant worker rights look like in Qatar in three or four years' time. Yeah, I, to be fair, I'd anticipate those kinds of pieces. I can see the Guardian. But it will back. die down. We will forget about it and it'll become yeah. the next thing. That's natural as well, though. That's just life, isn't it? Yeah, you move on with FIFA, I think, rather than Qatar. So yeah. Qatar are left in the rearview mirror, but then it's like, how much more do you... much more does one take... It's want of a better word from FIFA and then yeah, it's you know. a tough question to answer it's kind of vague a watershed moment yeah sort of uh, to a point I think it's exa- exacerbated things further maybe is the best way to yeah I actually don't think it's a watershed moment I think it's a constant evolution and I feel like that this has been the biggest yet but I don't know I, clock's coming against me clock's coming against me there was an email wondering if the idea of the World Cup that we all grew up knowing and loving is destined for a slow death given that we're going to 48 teams Saudi Arabian World Cup around the corner We'll come back to that again at some stage. That's too big a topic for the time we have left, but we did get the email from Ori. And 48 teams is going to suck. Yeah, we'll, short answer to we'll that. Bit, like, yeah. Miguel Delaney made a very good point. All of the final round group games matter at the World Cup this year with the way things have worked out. Yeah. When you're eliminating so few teams from the group stages, it's naturally going to hurt the quality of the competition. So how will they do it? Last 32, knockout? 
they're resisting the idea of having groups of six at the moment, so they want to keep it in groups of four. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, groups of six would make more sense. So it'll be 12 groups of four, two from each go through? Surely not like two and three in some cases. I think they might go with worst runners up in third place. Because uh, like they want to have a last 16 next. Yeah. So oh, if you're playing all those awful. games to eliminate just one team from a group. I know we're getting back to this email, but that's not the reason that the World Cup's eroding from our, the way we grew up. I, I, the, sorry, you know? I disagree with that, by the way. The World Cup is amazing. Yeah. I, I, I think the World Cup's going to be as popular in 20 years as it is now. No problem. 100%. It just wastes the World Cup. If this World Cup hasn't managed to kill the World Cup, although interestingly, David Witter did say it hasn't done it for him. Let's come back to it because we can. We can. I think sometimes it's hard to reflect on a World Cup midway through the group stages. Yes, very contingent mm-hmm. on the games you've happened to watch, and you know we remember World Cups really for the knockout stages in the main. So, somebody wants to write in about NFL. Love the segment. Just wondered if you guys have considered introducing more NFL content to your weekly offering. I'm your standard OTB listener, big into most sports, football, GA and golf in particular. A couple of years ago, basically bullied into joining an NFL fantasy league team. I begrudgingly joined and I've loved playing fantasy football ever since. I knew nothing about NFL. My initial reaction was I don't have four hours to watch NFL games. Long story short, it's quite a long email. He's now watching Red Zone nonstop. And he said, with the All Nations buying soccer clubs in England, 90% of people uh, captioning, captaining Haaland in Fantasy Premier League every weekend. I've fallen completely out of love with football and uh, Fantasy Premier League leaves me cold. He reckons NFL is the place to be. I've pushed my soccer obsessed mates to give NFL a chance. It's been a huge success. The most stubborn mates who never watch a minute of NFL previously are now booking their trips to the US to see games. He asks, with a degree of self-awareness, why am I sending this long-winded email about NFL? He said, I challenge the non-NFL-interested OTB team members to set up a fantasy league next year. I would lay money, a minimum of 80% of you get hooked and you'll end up thanking me. Regards, Seamus. Seamus, thanks for the email. I won't get hooked. I know I won't. No, you can keep that. Yeah, there's golf on Sunday night's show. I think that's the problem for you. Yeah, it's all the time you're watching eight hours of golf every <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> There's no fat on my schedule. Arthur's recently uh, started watching uh, NFL games. That was the main reason I read out that email. You didn't know that. Did Make you? tell me. Oh, right. I watch them over Sunday night when you go home. Now, I won't watch Red Zone. That's useless. It's an oh, absolute cod. You're in the minority there. But it's uh, well, it's just nothing. Like it's You're not watching a game. You know, you're just kind of watching highlights. Mm. Um, but I watch. Are you highlights. Are you NFL convert now then? No, no, no. Why did you start watching it? I, lo- I just love having live sport to watch. Is golf on a Sunday? I mean, what kind of golf? Like, what are we talking? Uh, like, there's, there's Northern Trust Open on a Sunday <laughs> night, not do it for you, know? The allure of this, I suppose, is that there's big, all the big teams are playing and stuff, you know? No, I hear you. But, um, you know... The, You're watching Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night. Like, yeah, yeah, well, like, someone like that, you'd watch that. But that's... But I, 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 as an individual thing, it's good. I find it, like you were talking about earlier with the games and stuff, it's nice and immersive to, to sit down and watch a four-hour game or something. Yeah. Because you're not completely wrapped into it. It doesn't really matter what the sport is. Like, I'd watch the same thing with tennis. Are you getting your head around rules, no. tactics, strategy? No, no, no. It's just have nice little talks when you come in in the morning. Like, Mick, he likes having someone to talk to about it. Is it just have something in common with Mick? <laughs> just have something to chat about, like. <laughs> that what this is about? Water cooler conversation is all it is. It's good for Ronan. He really likes it. So you get to talk to him with it. Wow, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I'm not. You're like Harrington on the PGA Tour. He just watches American sports so he can talk to the American golfers. <laughs> Where are you on this spectrum? That's you watch everything. 
first time in five or six years that I haven't played fantasy, which has severely affected the amount of NFL that I've been watching. Is it a good sport without fantasy? Ah, it is, yeah. No, it still is good, but fantasy is a wonderful gateway to get in. So we were playing with a close group of mates to play fantasy. Yeah. So we all sit down, we do our draft early in the year, and there's always a bit of slagging in the WhatsApp group. And therefore, everyone sits down and watches Red Zone religiously on a Sunday to see what points we're picking up along the way, usually with fantasy open on the app on our phone at the same time. And it's a great way of getting into it if you don't, say, have a team or you don't particularly have a horse in the race. It's a fantastic way to get into the sport. I think NFL is it, it's so easy to get involved in because the season is so short. Well, that's true. I was big into it 10 years ago. Were you? Oh, I didn't know that. What made you fall off? Golf. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Watch the six It is Just can't compete for me. The year that the Patriots were undefeated and they lost in oh, yeah, the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that Manning's Hail Mary? Uh, Eli, Manning. Eli Manning yeah it was the David Tyree catch and this yeah. helmet is, uh, I remember yeah, for the yeah, Eli Manning the, throw yeah uh, that year I mean I watched every week yeah and I could, I could, it's amazing but it's no golf and it's to one me. or the other not to me yeah that's fair enough yeah but I, don't, I don't think there's anybody be arguing with that for me I like I definitely wouldn't be as into it as I would be would have been three or four years ago when I was like it was touching on biggest sport for me especially in the winter you know but uh, I'm still watching it every Sunday. I still really enjoy it. I feel like I have been watching it long enough now and intently enough and watching enough games that I have, like, I mean, I'm not like... Can you see the unseen work? I can't see the unseen <laughs> work, no. But I can watch it on the same level. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, you'll talk to, like, Keen Fahey who works with us and he'll be telling, like, he'll tell it, like, you know, I wouldn't see the game anywhere near where he sees. He's seeing it on a completely different level. But I'd watch it in the same way as I'd watch rugby. You I would just, understand the game you fairly well. I'd understand what's happening yeah, yeah, on yeah. different levels. One of the things I didn't like about it was I knew how little I knew. Yeah, okay. I found it difficult to watch it and have such little appreciation for what was going on, actually. That makes any, does that make any sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think BBC's coverage is really good for that. Yeah. If you were to get hooked back in. BBC Super Bowl is the only place to be. Yeah. They really explain it for the layman. The fancy thing is interesting. It's both an addition and a crutch. So you get into it, it is very different than than, uh, than the Premier League fancy. You, you, only one player is owned by anyone, so you're in a league. Generally, there are WhatsApp groups, it's good fun. And oh, so you can't all have draft, Tom Brady? No, no, you do a draft. Oh, so like, you, know, you have better. one player. Yeah, that's great. And I'm in another one that's like a, a really long, long running thing where it's called the Dynasty one, where basically you have players forever. Okay. And then you do a draft of rookies for two people each year. Good grief. So I had Patrick Mahomes. I got him. I got him. Patrick Mahomes wasn't set down and didn't play for the first year. And I got him. I've had Patrick Mahomes and that forever. And I've won it twice. Like, That's you know, a level of geek beyond the computer but games. But it, it, it isn't actually. But anyway, the, the, the point I was going to make I is... I didn't understand the emailer saying everybody has Haaland as their captain. Now I understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's, it's way more interesting. The fancy is brilliant. But it also does kind of like... You end up... Why would I watch Red Zone instead of a game? Because I'm blued and obsessed with like what random Detroit Lions losing by 30 points, but are they still throwing it to my it guy? It seems to me like you're more into fantasy than the actual sport then. No, but I'm saying is I'm not, but you, you, that's the problem. You tend towards that. Mm. So you want to watch the sport, you're interested in it, but what's affecting me is my fantasy team. For, for me, that, that just, uh, I hate the stench of that. I actually is. agree with you. I yeah. wish I could. And there are nights when I'll say I'll just check it later, mm. and I'll get in and try and watch the game. And I don't really, I definitely don't pay as much attention to my fancy teams as I used to. 
I'll still change it during the week or whatever, yeah. but I don't during the games like, I don't because where, it, it actually takes over. It's it takes where consumerism over. and capitalism and all the nerdy aspects have, yeah. have have gone too far. But once we get to the playoffs now and stuff like, there's no fantasy anymore, and you kind of and there's no red zone, and you're actually watching games for what they are. Yeah. It's an incredible sport if you've been following it, and if yeah. you, if if you actually, um, oh, they just it's a they've they've they know how to put on a TV show as well. Yeah, they sure you do. Know? Were you coming in there on something? I just that fantasy thing creeping into football. An oh, without more this year, but yeah. you see it. They keep referring to it. Soccer, football. Yeah. Mm. Uh, What's that driven by? Are the Premier League trying to make cash out of that? Are they getting thing, the broadcasters? Fantasy to do Premier League. Yeah, they own. Yeah, they own. Yeah. Yeah. Premier League. So yeah. Like, yeah. But that's it's. Um, do most people not just make a team, and by October, have rarely logged in again. Depends on what you're doing, Joe. If you're yeah. doing well, you'll keep going. If you do badly, you go. But most people do that. They forget to make too many changes and they're gone. But the, the rest of the people are obsessed with it. God, who got the assist is just... Uh, well, to know. the point that even like match of the day now yeah. show up the assist as well as the goal scorer. Have mm-hmm. you noticed that? Yeah. On match of the day, it'll be the scorer, but they also have the assist. For me, again, I think anyone who's watching the sport that way, as someone who loves football, played football, I sort of think, yeah, you, you're just... The minute I saw the Soccer Saturday... are obsessed with it as well, strange. though. Huh? When Soccer Saturday started to introduce it into their coverage, that's when I found it strange. I just think so a few minutes before kickoff, they Jeff will now bring on an expert. Team yeah, all and Jeff would be like, here's who we picked for this I week. Have you transferred someone out? It's for people who don't like football, who don't actually like it at its core, who are bored by... But on the NFL thing... That's a good game. On the NFL thing, fantasy is so big, right, that there's kind of like a ES, the, the main fantasy guy who has like a podcast and a show or whatever. He's with ESPN. Matthew Berry is his name, right? He was headhunted, signed, like one of the biggest sporting transfers of the year by NBC, right? Who have the prime time, like the night time, the game that's on at one o'clock in the morning here, but that's the big game of the week in America. He's on their panel. He's on, on Sunday night, on the panel, talking about fantasy as part of their coverage for the prime time, the game of the week. This is where I know that I'm already an old man. You don't find that over on the golf. Fancy golf is pretty big. Can't be, can it? Was you playing? No. What's fantasy golf? I do, I've never played. It. I, <laughs> I, I was in as much the same boat as you. Actually, I didn't understand that. I just decided I not to enter. A... You buy an array of different tiered players. Okay. And you see how they go across the Northern Trust Open. Good grief! What does that even simulate? Entire season. Huh? What's that even simulating? You're basically what? You're like a Nike executive essentially working with Just picking, yeah, your guy. Kevin Kisner. You're trying to balance (laughs) out, you know, Kevin Kisner. Yeah, Yeah, Kevin Kisner gets you a top 10. He's a level two player. He's a money spinner. We went too harsh on Kevin Kisner. (laughs) We? Take away. I didn't know he was. I still don't know who he is. That was the point. (laughs) You're the only person who mentioned his name. That was the point. Uh, God, someone on the main game. What a waste of space. Oh, wow. That's unfair. He's he's very good at what he does. (laughs) And he's a multi-millionaire now. Uh, He started from nothing. He basically invented the whole media coverage. Am I alone in thinking I'm so out of kilter with where the world's going there? Sport. Uh, Yeah, I don't enjoy that. No, that aspect of it. Maybe I should just embrace it. Stop thinking it so seriously. Like, why am I... Why do I have to be so sober about all this? You know, it's sport. It should be fun. If Why it happened, if it happened in like football, uh, like the Premier League football, I'd be grimmed out by it. In America, it adds to the coverage because the studio shows are dire. Are we not five? So oh, are they? Oh, they're awful. They're oh. awful. Because the basketball is quick hit amazing, nonsense. isn't it? It's specifically good on the TNT with Charles Barkley. That one. The, everything else is crap. Is yeah. it on all channels? Yeah. All sports, all channels. Just it's too quick. They only have like they do. They come back and they'll say. 
Oh, amazing stuff by like LeBron. LeBron's playing really well tonight, isn't he, Charles? Yeah, he's he's doing great. I think uh, you know he's he's the man to watch. But don't forget about you know Anthony Davis. Right, we're back after these, and they go to another break, and it's just like this constant, like really fast-paced mm. nonsense in between ad breaks. It's just oh, well, where where they go, we follow. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's the way it's going to go. That's the half time is a waste of time on uh, coverage now, unless it's on Virgin Media Rugby. <laughs> It's amazing what you pack into those two, three minutes. Diabolical. <laughs> what, the rugby coverage? You're, you're what you're, you're doing to me there. Uh, right, I think we're out of time. Are we three minutes over? As usual. At least. Okay, There were several emails which wanted to discuss the armband controversy. Apologies, we didn't get to them. And there were a couple of others about Amazon and a few different other bits and pieces, which we may get to, we may not, but we are so far out of time. So that was a slight tangent for this week. We may or may not be back next week. Arthur, thank you. Michael, thank you. Will, thank you. A slight tangent at offtheball.com is where you'll get us.